Hello, welcome to the Building Through Him podcast. My name is Mary Jo Parrish. I'm the founder of Kingdom Builders. In this episode, we will be discussing the ocean of God's mercy. Just so you know, you are deeply loved and you are always welcome here. And I always like to start off with some funny stories because we need more laughter in our life. The father delights in his children laughing. And so I'll just go ahead and share a little bit of my crazy. I have 10 kids, and so my life is a little bit hilarious. I just like to say hilarious. But it's also exhausting sometimes, and I was feeling super exhausted and um, a little burnt out. And my friend said, hey, I have a house in Florida. Why don't you go there for a few days and just rest? And so I did that, and it was wonderful. Just spent time allowing the father to love me. And I came home to a blizzard and kids who were incredibly traumatized because I had left for a few days. (laughs) My husband, while I was in Florida, sent me this text of the kids at Pizza Hut with him. And um, our youngest is named Sebastian. So the text read, so Bash asked if you were going to go with us to Pizza Hut. I said no. He asked if you were dead. I said no. So apparently if mom's not there, then she must be dead. That's the natural conclusion for a four-year-old. My teenager said, Hey, mom, the weirdest thing, when we took out garbage when you were gone, there was hardly any garbage, like hardly any recycling or any regular garbage. And I said, well, how much were you eating out? He's like, oh, a lot. I said, the garbage is at the restaurants, honey. He was like, oh, that makes sense. When my boys get hungry after I got back, when my toddlers got hungry, they wouldn't even say like, hey, can we eat or like when's dinner or like a normal thing that you would say. They just said, Who's going to get the cheeseburgers? Because that was just what they got. They got cheeseburgers. <laughs> and um, so I take him to the grocery store. I'm like, okay, we got to get vegetables back in this house. And we're kind of walking through the grocery store. And because he had like spent those days without me, my my four-year-old Sebastian, he just collapsed in front of the Chiquita bananas. And I was like, Sebastian, do you want to get in the cart? And he's like, no. It's like, what do you want? He's like, we just want you to hold me. I was like, all right. So even going to the grocery store, like being next to him wasn't enough or riding in the cart close to me. I actually just had to hold him all the way through the store. So it's very traumatic for the mama to leave. Let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on, all ages will call me blessed. The mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry he has filled with good things, the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped Israel his servant, remembering his mercy, according to his promise to our fathers, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We start with Kingdom Builders. We always talk about our foundation because we cannot allow the Lord to build in our life unless we have a strong foundation. And that means a minimum of 10 minutes of prayer every day. And let's say that you like you only pray through praise and worship music, then spend 10 minutes doing praise and worship or you want to do 10 minutes of adoration on your way to work every day. That's fine. However, you want to spend those 10 minutes, but you have to be spending at least 10 minutes in prayer. That's when we're receiving the love of God. You wouldn't expect your phone to work all day unless you plugged it in. That's our charge. We have to be allowing ourselves to be loved by the Father so that we can make it through the day. We go to church on Sundays. That's a divine commandment, not a divine suggestion. 
And then we're staying in a state of grace. So if there's any mortal sins, any bad sins that are keeping us from the love of God, we're getting to confession, we're going to self-help group or therapy, whatever we need to do so that we can receive all the graces that our Lord wants to give us. And then we build ourselves, build others, and build the church. So today we're talking about the ocean of God's mercy. And so the quotes from St. Faustina's diary. So she was a mystic and Jesus appeared to her. And that's how he phrases it, is the ocean of God's mercy. This scripture I'm about to read is from Job 7. Job spoke saying, Is not man's life on earth a drudgery? Are not his days those of hirelings? He is a slave who longs for the shave. So I have been aside months of misery, and troubled nights have been allotted to me. If in bed I say, when shall I rise? The night drags on. I am filled with restlessness until dawn. Just the fact that Job has like sleeping issues, like I'm like, okay, even back then people had issues falling asleep. I mean, he didn't have an alarm clock, but when you look at the clock and you're like, okay, I have four more hours, three more hours if I go to sleep right now. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness again. So sometimes I feel a lot like Job, like drudgery, like it drags on over and over, you know, and the enemy gets in there and it's like, what's the point? You know, why does my family have to eat dinner every single night? Why is this? Why is that? It's like life can feel like it's heavy. It's drudgery. What's the point? Where am I going? What am I doing here? You know, and when we get to that point, when we're asking those questions, that's when we're like, ooh, we have to remember, we belong to Jesus Christ. He is the living water. He is our living hope. That is the point of our existence, is him, to love, honor, and serve him. So today I want to take a step back and just ask you, where are you going? You know, what's the point of your life? Where are you going? What's your destination? You should have an immediate answer. What's your destination? It should be heaven. Like that should be the guiding principle of your whole life. Otherwise, what are you doing? We each need to know what our destination is. What are we walking towards? Heaven, right? So I just want to ask you this. Where will you be in 100 years? You know, you get to decide that. This is all temporary. There's this phrase called memento mori. Remember that you must die. Memento mori. And that's kind of be kind of depressing. Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Actually, it's not. It's actually perspective. So when you're going through difficult times in your life, you're like, well, I'm going to die. Someone yelled at you in the parking lot and it really hurt your feelings. Hmm, remember, you must die. It doesn't really matter. Your kid got a referral for not logging on to online learning. This actually happened to me. Well, remember that you must die. It's like it kind of just puts things in perspective. What actually matters? You know, what matters? Most stuff just doesn't. It's your eternity. It comes down to your eternity. So we know that on Ash Wednesday, that begins Lent. We burn the old palms, you know, from Palm Sunday for the ashes. And those are put on us, either sprinkled or in a cross. And then they say this phrase, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. That's from Genesis 3.19. And that's just goes back to memento mori. We're going to end up dust. Where's our soul going to go? So Lent is 40 days, and that 40 feels familiar. You can look in scripture and you can see a lot of different 40s, the desert, Noah's Ark, like all these different 40s. And so when you see that common theme 
come again and again, you can recognize the symbolism there. So 40 is often meant to symbolize three things. I call, we call them the three Ps, penance, purification, preparation. Penance, purification, preparation. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. In Mark's Gospel, we hear that Jesus has survived wild beasts, obviously hunger because he's in the desert, and Satan himself. Jesus has endured that penance, that purification and preparation. He's been cared for by angels. He's cleared of all the distractions. He's fully united to God. He's ready for mission. And what's the first thing he speaks? This is significant. If you've ever gone through like a really powerful Lent, when you come out, you're like, okay, I'm going to be careful now. I don't want to put all that yucky stuff back in my body or, you know, anything that wasn't glorifying God. I don't want any of those distractions anymore. Jesus went through this except in an extreme way. He's like, okay, he comes out. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So guess what the second phrase is used at Ash Wednesday Mass? Repent and believe in the gospel. So repent, what does that even mean? That's not a word that we hear often in secular culture. Repent. So if you think of the word pensive, it means reflecting deep or serious thought. We can think of repent as rethinking. So we're rethinking. Do I need to watch that much Netflix? Rethinking. Do I need that app on my phone if it's keeping me from looking in the eyes of my children? Rethinking. Is that leading me to holiness? Is that distracting me from relationship with God? And then rethinking, like, how much time am I spending in prayer? When am I getting to the sacraments? You're just rethinking. And when you may realize, like, ooh, that's not good. Jesus, I'm so sorry. So something that can also help us kind of rethink Father Gabriel Amorth. He is an exorcist at the Vatican. He said that demons whisper three things to us, the same things they told themselves when they were cast out of heaven. And it's the things that they whisper to us now. And so do we entertain these? One is, you can do what you wish. You don't have to obey any commandments. Do you ever tell yourself that? Or you think you're telling yourself? It's actually probably a demon whispering it and your choice to believe it. But you can do what you wish. Okay, the second one is, you need to obey no one. And the third one, you are the God of yourself. I like to imagine demons with like really sassy attitudes. You're the God of your own self. You know, like with, yeah, little sassy gangster attitudes. So you can do what you wish. You need to obey no one. You're the God of your own self. Are demons telling me this and am I believing them? Do I act in a way that supports that, you know? That kind of helps us in our rethinking. And this isn't to make you feel terrible about yourself or like think to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm a bad person. It's not. C.S. Lewis tells us every story of conversion is a story of blessed defeat. It's that the Lord wants that sin out of your life. He wants your peace and joy. So it's just a way to come closer to him so that your life can glorify him. And when we repent say, Lord, I'm so sorry. He just invites us into this ocean of his mercy. He's like, come get in. The water is warm. 
This is Jesus speaking to St. Faustina. How very much I desire the salvation of souls. I want to pour out my divine life into human souls and sanctify them. If only they were willing to accept my grace. The greatest sinners would achieve great sanctity. If only they would trust in my mercy. The greatest sinners would achieve great sanctity. If only they would trust in my mercy. So we have to trust in his mercy. We can't think like, oh, he's not going to want to forgive that sin. It's like, no, he does. If we're sorry, he wants to forgive it. And then we have to trust in his mercy. We have to walk into that ocean. I was praying for a friend whose husband was very, very ill. Um, We were pretty sure he was going to die. His kidneys were shutting down. And I was just praying for him. And I had this image in my mind of our Lord lifting him up from that hospital bed and carrying him away. And I was like, no, don't take him. Don't take him. He's a father. And Jesus just ignored me. And he took him to this water. And he just walked into the water and he held him there. And this man laid against Jesus' chest until he was completely healed. This man, eventually, he did get out of the hospital. He is completely healed. And now when I go back to that image in prayer, Jesus is just standing there in the water with his arms open and looking at me like with his eyes like, Mary Jo, bring me souls. Like, bring them to me. I'm right here. I'm waiting. Bring me souls. And all of us, like he wants all of us to be bringing him souls into the ocean of mercy. Of course he wants your soul. Of course he does. But he wants you to bring him others as well. I was reading about St. Josephine Bakhita, and she was sold into slavery at eight years old. She couldn't even remember her name. The trauma was so significant. So the slave traders called her Bakhita, which means blessed, as a way to try to appeal to the customer base Of course, God always has a way of what someone does for evil. You know, he just brings out for good. And he did that with her. St. Josephine Bakhita, she was owned by five different slave owners. She was severely beaten and scarred. Around the age of 14, so this would be like around eighth grade. You can imagine an eighth grader. One of her slave owners carved 114 deep, intricate patterns all over her upper body, breasts, and right arm, and then opened those wounds and filled them with salt for maximum scarring. She was deeply, deeply scarred and fearful, and she encountered Christianity for the first time from the Canosian sisters in Italy. She was a nanny there for that family, and those kind sisters instructed Bakhita in the Christian faith and the laws against slavery in Italy. They led her to freedom spiritually and led her to freedom physically because we are body and soul. You can't just say like, oh, I want to talk to you about Jesus and someone on the side of the street and they're starving. It's like, yeah, we need to give them a sandwich and then talk to them about Jesus. We're body and soul. The Lord doesn't want just for us to take care of the soul. He wants us to take care of the body. They led her to both, spiritual freedom and physical freedom. She ends up being baptized, and she received the name Josephine. Three years later, she entered the Canosian order, and she remained there serving and loving God's children for 43 more years. 
I want to ask you again the same question. Where will you be in a hundred years? You know, you know your goal, you know your destination. And then I want to ask you this. Where will those you love be in a hundred years? Do not withhold them from God. Don't hold them back from God. This is from Genesis 22. I know now how devoted you are to God, since you did not withhold me from your own beloved son. Because you acted as you did and not withholding me from your beloved son, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants shall take possession of the gates of their enemies, and in your descendants all the nations of the earth shall find blessing. All this because you obeyed my command. This is what the Lord wants for you and your descendants. Are you giving your children entrusted to you over to God? Are you bringing the souls that God brings before you to the ocean of his mercy? Sometimes we can think like, oh, what if they're offended? What if they're comfortable? What if they're awkward? Well, are we okay asking our loved ones about their technology, the homework, the cleanliness of their rooms, you know, asking our friends about marital advice, notes from a class, organizational tips, sporting events, recipe. We're okay discussing all of that. How are we not comfortable discussing what's your favorite way to pray? What have you found to be the, your like most powerful scripture verse? Who leads you closer to God? Do you have any prayer intentions? What's your moment of conversion? Who's your confirmation saint? Or do you have a favorite saint? Like, why are we not talking about what matters? Because if we know our final destination is heaven, why are we not discussing these things, right? We have um, small prayer groups that meet between seven and nine women. They're called mosaics. And one of the women was discussing her conversion moment because we go back through sacramental graces and conversion moments. We look at it all before they actually begin. And one of the women was talking about her conversion moment and her good friend was sitting next to her and she started crying. And she got done and she looked at her and she said, why are you crying? And she said, I have known you for all these years and I never knew your conversion story. How can we have friends that are that close to us And we do not know their conversion story. When did you meet Jesus? When did you know he was real? Tell me about that. And guess what? That's the most inspiring kind of story. It is. Go deep with the souls God brings before you. My kids, when they're little tiny, they'll like put them on my bed when I'm folding clothes or whatever. And our youngest, Sebastian, he was probably like, I don't know, 15 months. I was folding clothes and I dropped something and I went over to grab it. And he was kind of toddling around on the bed by me. And he just jumped. He just jumped off the bed. Luckily, I caught him, but he loved me and trusted me completely. He knew that I would catch him. Praise God, I did. And that is the kind of trust that God wants us to have in him. We know Jesus is our living hope. We trust him. We trust his mercy. We jump into his arms. This is Jesus to St. Faustina. When a soul approaches me with trust, I fill it with such an abundance of graces that it cannot contain them within itself, but radiates them to other souls, radiates them to other souls, that when you approach him with trust, he fills you with such abundant graces that you radiate them. You can't help it. 
how cool is that? I think part of radiation is like knowing that holiness does not mean being boring, you know? The closer that we become to God, the more our beauty and our gifts unfold. That's how we radiate our graces. 1 Corinthians chapter 10.31 Brothers and sisters, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. So whatever we do, we want to do for the glory of God. Let's go back to that eat and drink thing. Even if we're eating and drinking, we want it to be for the glory of God. So we know that God is the divine creator. He shares his ability to create with us. So go deep and be creative with the souls that God brings before you. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I have made myself a slave to all, so as to win over as many as possible. To the weak, I have become weak, to win over the weak. I have become all things to all, to save at least some. All of this I do for the sake of the gospel, so that I too may have a share in it. So what Paul is really saying is, like, I become whatever the Lord wants me to come, to connect with them, so that I have a share in heaven, like, so I can get to heaven. And I want other people to have that too. So to the weak, he becomes weak. Like whatever he needs to do to connect with people, to bring them over to Jesus, he does it. So let's think of this when we employ the gift of our creativity. How can you connect with someone to bring them to Jesus? It doesn't have to be boring, remember? You can add something fun. Hey, I was thinking about going to Mass. Would you want to go to Mass and get a manicure? Mass and manicure? How about go to confession and get coffee? Confession and coffee. Adoration and appetizers. A rosary and refreshments. See, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. And we love to eat and drink. Yes, we do. Uh, Stations of the cross and soup. Soup and stations. Divine mercy chaplet and clam chowder. Whatever you need to do. And it can involve sporting events. If you're a man, sporting events. Find a way to connect with them, you know, on something maybe on a secular fun level. And then bring them to God. Holiness doesn't mean boring. The Lord desires us to have fun. This is from St. Teresa Lisieux. She's talking about Jesus. I love this quote so much. He does not come down from heaven each day to stay in a gold chalice. He comes down to find another heaven he cherishes infinitely more than the first, the heaven of our souls, made in his image, living temples of the most blessed trinity. Like the Lord wants to be within us. So if you're like, oh, she doesn't know. I'm actually not creative. I don't, I don't have that ability. Actually, that's a lie of Satan that you're not creative. Yes, you are. You totally are. You're a son or daughter of the king. You're made in God's image and likeness. And he shares that gift with you. So you can ask for a deeper outpouring. So just right now, just say, Father, Father, Will you please give me a deep outpouring? Father, will you please give me a deep outpouring of your creativity, of your creativity, so that I can bring more souls to you, so that I can bring more souls to you. Now expect it, because there's no reason he would hold that back from you. Sometimes we know that it actually maybe isn't a lack of creativity that's keeping us from bringing souls to Jesus. So visualize Jesus in that water with his hands outstretched, like, bring them to me. I want them all. Bring them to me. It's not lack of creativity. It's a lack of courage. Don't be afraid to lead someone to Jesus. You already know the person that they were created to be with their entire life. Everyone is seeking Jesus, whether they know it or not. Everyone. 
is a quote from St. Josephine Bakhita. Those holy mothers instructed me with heroic patience and introduced me to a God who from childhood I had felt in my heart without knowing who he was. Everyone is seeking Jesus, whether they know it or not. Everyone. You think about those Canosian sisters. They were actually only responsible for educating the children in their care. One of those children was the little girl that Josephine was nannying for. They didn't just stop there. They didn't say like, well, you know, that's not my territory souls. Like our responsibility is just the kids. No, they saw this woman who was created for Jesus because everyone is. And they took the time to love her and to instruct her in the faith. And had they not had the courage to do that, she would have lived her whole life in physical and spiritual slavery. They had the courage to bring someone to Jesus, even though that person technically wasn't in their territory of souls. If the Lord brings you someone, if they're before you, they're in your territory and he wants them in his ocean of mercy. Sometimes I find myself arguing with God. So when I was in Florida, I went to Mass, and the Lord laid on my heart, hey, you need to pray with this lady. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Hey, you need to pray with this lady. No, I'm not doing it. Mary Jo, you need to pray with this lady. Fine, but I don't don't really want to, and I'm going to act totally disinterested when I ask her. It's like, whatever. He just is very patient with me. So after church, this lady is leaving, and I just come up to her, and I said, hi, my name is Mary Jo do you need any prayer? And she looked at me with these big eyes and she said, yes, I do. I was like, oh, okay, let's go here over here and sit in the pew. And so everyone's leaving church. We go sit in the pew. And she says, are you Holy Spirit filled? And I said, I've never had anyone ask me that before. And what came out of my mouth was, yes, I am with authority. I don't even know where that came from. And so she goes on to kind of tell me about some deep struggles she was having in her life. And I was able to pray with her. And she said, I just couldn't figure out why I ended up in this church today. And then she inferred something about me being on like the parish prayer team or something. And I said, is this not your church? And she said, no, I'm not even Catholic. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, well, it's your church, right? You're like, and I said, no, I'm from Indiana. And she said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I was feeling kind of tired and burnout. I run a nonprofit and I have 10 kids. And she said, 10 kids? What? How's that even possible? And it was just one of those moments. And she said, I can't believe he sent a woman from Indiana to pray with me. And that's what the Lord does. Is like in the weirdest situations, like if he's calling you, if he has a soul brought before you, just have the courage to move forward. If they say no, they say no. But all you have to say is, would you like some prayer? And sometimes when I first started praying with people, I would be like, Mary, help us. Like it sounded so dumb. And then as I started to pray with more people, it started to feel more natural. So it's not about you. It really isn't. It's about what God's doing through you. I was thinking about the other day when I was a little girl and we had like the little Christmas shop at our school and my dad gave me a couple dollars to buy gifts. It was his money, right? So I go there and I find him this ashtray. My dad didn't even smoke, still doesn't smoke, but I find this really pretty ashtray that I got for him and I bought it with his money 
and gave it back to him. And I was so excited. And he pretended to be excited when he opened it. And, and if my dad wanted an ashtray, he could have just bought it with his own money. But he chose to give me the money to go buy him a gift to give it back to him. Remember that God could do it all on his own if he wanted to. He's omnipotent. He's God. He can do anything. He could have appeared to that lady in Florida and, you know, talked to her, given her counsel or kindness or whatever. But God desires to do it with us. He gives us this grace and he desires to do it with us. And he is calling us to come to the ocean of his mercy. He's calling us to lead others to the ocean of his mercy. Because that is where they are meant to be. Our hearts were made for you, O Lord, and they are restless until they rest in you. That's St. Augustine. Our hearts were made for you, O Lord, and they are restless until they rest in you. And every heart is made for him. Every heart is restless until it rests in him. So have the courage, be bold in bringing people to the Lord. Have the courage, be bold in forgiving yourself getting to the sacrament of reconciliation so that you can repent and come into the ocean of his mercy. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.